Hey, did he who okay, this is going to be a dumb question, but did he come up with the boss or did so, where did that come from? <laughs> That's a good day. When you can learn something about Bruce Springsteen every, every day. Yeah. Uh, That's a world I want to live in. Are you ready for episode 55 of arguably the best photography podcast on the internets? Wait, am I supposed to answer that? (laughs) That doesn't sound like you're ready. I'm kind of ready. You're kind of ready. Hey, this is on taking pictures. Episode 55. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com. And with me, in a ridiculous amount of pain, it sounds like. Ow. Not so fancy. Ah. Editorial portrait photographer, bedridden, Bill Wadman. What's going on? What'd you do? I ate a chicken sandwich yesterday. <laughs> and you, was you it, would think that that would be Was, was the chicken still alive? <laughs> was it fighting tooth and nail? You know, I've got a... <laughs> Bad disc in my back. Okay. Um, L3, L4 for those interested. And um, it's one of those things that every once in a while, like once a year, maybe, maybe twice a year. Right. I do something that sort of throws my back out. And sitting in a booth, chewing food was the thing that did it. (sighs) That's the thing. I was sitting there, I was waiting for my food and I just sort of like, you know, pushed down on the bench and shifted my butt a little bit to sit better. No way. And And that was enough. And I just, it just kicked something out. It's crazy. I'll go run sprints. I'll hike. I'll lift something up. Uh, but, but there, but then it's like, I, you know, it's just out of nowhere. It just does something. Uh, nothing. I, I'll tie my shoes and that is what will throw my back out. You know, it's like that kind of thing. You know what you got to oh, do? It's so frustrating. You got you to get you those Velcro slip-ons like I wear. Uh, yeah. I used to know a really old guy who used to wear those and, and this kid I knew, I used to see him every day, he used to say, Hey, Mr. Katz, nice kicks. Um, anyway, so yeah, I threw my back out and so I'm an incredible amount of pain right now. Look at you um, toughing it out for, for the show though. This show means more to me than my pain. That is, that is. A- you know what, Jeffrey? I haven't got time for the pain. <laughs> That's good. I actually kissed her once. What? What? Carly Simon. How did, how did you wait? No, no, you didn't. Is this, is this true? Yeah. How? Uh, I, she was the, uh, she was the, uh, person, the speaker at my graduation. Carly Simon spoke at your graduation. Yeah, she was, she was the year that I was. Now here's the thing though. I got Carly Simon the year before had David Bowie the year after had, uh, McCartney. What? This year it's Annie Lennox. Wow. Oh, that's cool. See, uh, Nikki's a huge Annie Lennox fan. Yeah. So anyway, I went up and I shook her hand and she handed me my diploma and I gave her a kiss on the cheek. Wow. So big mouth and me. Wow. Wow. Good story. Um, Bowie yeah, and McCartney. Good. That's fancy. You know what I think it is, though? I think that uh, part of the reason why it went out yesterday is that I was sitting in a car for four days. That's right. You, know, you want to talk about that now? No, yeah, well, let's, let's save you it. You want to save it? Look at yeah, look we'll at foreshadowing. Further. That's what that's called, kids. Foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dun dun dun. So you you put this uh, Steven Soderbergh thing in 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 the lineup. Yeah, this is a this and is interesting. And while it's not directly related to photography, it's related to the business of making art. 
Yes, which has gone up by leaps and bounds in, in recent years. Uh, it, first of all, if you, if you have any interest in cinema, it's it's a fascinating read. Uh, you can we'll put a link in to also watch it. Uh, IndieWire has has the whole thing where you can watch him give the address rather than read it because it is quite long. Uh, and he brings up some good points about not only the, the state of filmmaking, but the state of film distribution, which uh, has also gotten ridiculously expensive. Uh, and and we, we won't cover the whole thing because, it's, like I said, it's very long. But there's one part that was kind of interesting. And he says, so he, uh, then there's the expense of putting a movie out, which is a big problem. Right. Point of entry for a mainstream wide release movie, $30 million. That's where you start. Now you add another 30 for overseas distribution. Now you've got to remember the exhibitors pay half the gross. So to make that 60 back, you need to gross 120. So you don't even know what your movie is yet. And you're already looking at 120 million. That ended up being part of the reason why the Liberace movie didn't happen at a studio. We only needed five million from a domestic partner, but when you add the cost of putting a movie out, now you've got to grow seventy-five million to get that thirty-five back. And the feeling amongst the studios was that this material was too special in quotes to gross seventy million. So uh, that's a lot of money to get a film out there, and and it with is, with but foreign. This is, this- Go ahead. This this is a first world problem, right? I mean, there's nothing there's nothing that's stopping those those companies from making smaller movies that they don't advertise as much and then make less money on, you know. Plus, making the money in the uh, um, theaters isn't really the thing. It's over the lifetime of the movie, so lots of stuff goes to DVD rental and Netflix and blah 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 blah. And downloads and buying, and they double the gross that they got in the theaters. I'm not crying for the movie studios right now. Right? No, no. But here's here's the thing: is what's happened over the past several years is that the foreign markets are becoming major players in how much a movie makes. Right. So if you want to make the movie back, you've got to get it into the overseas markets, which I think is interesting. Now he he goes on to say further down. Uh, Psychologically, and this, this is w- one of the things that he's talking about is is bigger movies versus uh, smaller movies, or what what used to be called indie movies, right? Uh, right. And he says psychologically, it's more comforting to spend sixty million dollars promoting a movie that cost a hundred million than it does to spend sixty million to promote a movie that costs ten. I know what you're thinking. If it costs ten, you're going to be in profit sooner. Maybe not. Here's why: a ten million dollar movie. $60 million to promote it. That's $70 million. So you've got to gross $140 million to get out. Now, you've got a $100 million movie. You're going to spend 60 to promote it. You've got to get 320 to get out. How many $10 million movies make $140 million? Not many. How many $100 million movies make 320 A pretty good number. And there's the sort of domino effect that happens. Okay, but isn't this... I mean, yes, this is true. But isn't this the same thing as, you know, the... Painting market is the art market right now is explosive because rich people have money to throw into stuff and they buy Picassos. You know, this is supply and demand, right? Sure, uh, on some level, yeah. And, um, and isn't there an entire subculture of people who are making movies and putting them on Vimeo and and not advertising them at all? And and the problem is, is that even if somebody does that, let's say somebody's an independent and they make a short little film, and I mean, uh, what's his name says this? Uh, uh, the Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, Sundance used to be the place that you went to go see 
really crappy independent films. Right. Like actual independent films, like made by people on their credit cards. Right. Now, an independent film is a movie that was given $10 million by Harvey Weinstein, you know, as a personal check. Right. Which is a completely different thing. He's like, no one would, you would, you will never see clerks at Sundance today. No, you're never going to see it again. uh, Other than on like Vimeo or YouTube. Right. Now, so, to, to bring in your but, art argument, I think... But, hold, on a second, okay, hold on a second. Go ahead. But, but isn't, 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 uh, isn't it true, though, that the overall expectation of quality has gone way up? That if you made something that looked like Clerks nowadays, people would say, that looks like crap. And we're going... To, this isn't high enough quality because now we have everyone shooting on 5Ds and editing real high end and color this and whatever sure. that. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is is that well, what's one of the things would would clerks garner the attention today would would Soderbergh's first film Sex Lies and Videotape would it garner the attention today that it did when it was released and probably no to your point right and and but th- then it becomes is production quality the only measure of a movie mm-hmm. and obviously the answer is no uh especially if you've seen Iron Man 3 <laughs> Right. By the way, Iron Man 3, speaking to your foreign thing, there was an article in the New York Times about how they changed, they added scenes in the version for China to make China feel better and to get it into Chinese theaters. I saw that. It's fascinating. Yes. So you're Um, altering film for the market. That's very strange to me. I think here's the problem. Let's say you're Joe. Let's say this summer I go and make a short film over the course of six weeks with some friends and it gets into some, uh, 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 festivals and I get a little buzz. The, the where I go from there is not to make more films and make a living doing it independently. It is getting into the rat race, which is LA. Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like the only way to make a living in that world is to buy into the megalith that already exists. That shouldn't. It's a structure that's way too big for what it's doing. Anyway. Sure. The 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 first sort of indie film that you make is almost your your it's initiation. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 that is the problem with all this stuff. I mean, even all the photographers out there who are doing stuff for free, they're doing stuff for free so that they can then hopefully get the jobs that make ten thousand dollars a day. Right. Right. I mean, that's that's the 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 brain goal. That's the fantasy. You know. I, at um, least with art and photography, though, I think there are still some great venues like 20 by 200 or or you know things like that where you can still get interesting work it might not have the sort of you know social relevance that that some of the other work has but if you're just looking for good work as as good work not as an investment necessarily i think there's some really fantastic stuff out there that's not going to cost you a lot of money uh i agree no, I, I completely agree. Um, I think the I think the other problem is, you know, there was a movie made out in front of my house recently. Uh, one night they shut down the street. They were filming this movie. They had like a, a red camera on a track and and big lights on a crane up the street and whatever. They were shooting at night. And there were two actors and there were, you know, a couple of people behind the camera, whatever, you know, the director and the DP and an audio guy understood and understandable amounts of people. But there were also 30 other people walking around. Like literally 30 30 people. Yeah. yeah, With like belts on and, you know, work gear and gaffers and hammers and and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All that crap. And it's like, guys, 
why are we still making we we are to the point where you can make movies with the thing that somebody holds in their hand right why do we still need all of these people and all of this stuff and all these huge productions and now of course you know when you're making avengers or iron man 3 yes that there's a lot more involved in that but you know it seems like that that the film industry has not downsized in a way that's commiserate with what technology has given them. Yeah, I I think it may be. I think I think we don't see it as much. Okay, and that well, the, the other flip side of that is like the um, the the Life of Pi thing, where the company that did all the digital effects went out of business after yeah. it came out, even though it won all the awards. Rhythm and Hughes. Yep. Because they weren't getting made, they didn't make any money on it. Well, and and, look, and and Ang Lee gets up and thanks everyone, but doesn't thank those guys. And those guys, in many ways, made that movie. Yeah, they did. And and on on the one hand, yes, that's that's a bummer. But on the other hand, then you guys should have made a better deal. You should you should have charged what it was going to cost you to make it. Okay, well that's true. But you know, these people keep talking about how how much uh, digital stuff is saving them, saving them, saving them, and they keep making more and more money. And the the people who are actually making the movie are making less and less money. Yes, right. It's 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 an interesting. The whole thing is a very interesting play. Yeah, you know. Um, why why don't the technicians get back in points like the actors do? Uh, true. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a friend who is working on a big project for a big like multinational corporation, and like a sort of like a bumper for the end of ads, and uh, it was a hundred thousand dollar budget, big money, and. No, wait, wait, hold on. Is this print video? What is this? Uh, video. Okay. I guess it would be right. And uh, and it, it, in the end, even though he did like four months of work on it, he ended up with like eight grand. Wow! <laughs> because out of a hundred thousand dollar budget, yeah, because there were animators and lighters and sound people and production companies wow. and you, you know what I mean, like all the cuts, 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 and right. like what he ends up with is like you know minimum wage. <laughs> um. You know, so it's 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 like there's way it's what should have happened is that, you know, this guy and an animator and some sound guy should have gotten into a room. You know what I mean? Like, like we're still working on this huge scale level when it's like, come on, guys, we don't need all that anymore. Imogen Heap recorded the, you know, best engineered Grammy record in her basement. Hmm. You know, we don't we don't necessarily need all this stuff anymore i mean people even look at me and i mean yeah there are times when i use big lights and there are times when i have bigger setups but the amount of stuff you could do with a few speed lights is amazing nowadays yeah, you know with sure. taking it back to photography sure um i guess the question is what is you know does does soderbergh have an answer because it seems like it's just a mess that's never going to change uh well one of his answers is he's retiring from cinema right well that's a cop out uh he he's he's gonna go paint is, is the thing. Well, I guess he can because he's rich from all the movies <laughs> he did make. <laughs> you know, that Ocean's Eleven really did him in. You know, it, it's funny. One of the things that he does that he does say in there is is uh, just to give you an idea of scale of, of what kind of money they're dealing with. He said it's – I don't remember where it was, but uh, the, the casino set that they built mm-hmm. costs like 60 grand a week to light, just to light the set. Yeah. Right. So big money. But here's the question. I mean, I, I don't know. I, That's a lot of speed I, lights. I guess, you know, it is the market says they demand 
Oh, yeah. I mean, stuff on that level, sure. But the market says that they demand a certain level of production quality, right? Or else they wouldn't put all this money into it. People want spectacle. People want Iron Man 3 and the set pieces and the pithy dialogue, right? Yes. Or at, at least that's, at, what the mar- that's what the money says. At the cost of story and character development. Yeah, but the, you know what? People have been saying that for 50 years, right? Sure. There's still amazing movies that come out with great characters and story development. You know, um, oh, TV sucks, TV sucks. You know what? TV's at way better now than it was 20 years ago. Sure. No, I'm talking about like these big budget, you know, over the top. Yeah, but those are summer blockbusters, right? Sure, That's they are. The game. Uh, you went to you paid to go see it. I did. You you gave you know, John Favreau's production company money. Absolutely. I, he should have directed it. He shouldn't have handed it off to somebody else. You know, I don't. I I like Shane Black. Um, if if you have not seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, can't recommend it enough. Really fun movie. Another Robert Downey movie, but uh, Val Kilmer also fantastic in it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I just feel like cinema specifically has gotten big and and a little out of control. Mm-hmm. Well, a little out of control. It has gotten out of control. You know, all of the companies, all the big media companies, they made their money. Like, uh, for example, Sony. Sony bought Columbia Records, and Sony went from Columbia went from being oh we're this you know medium sized record company that puts out you know. Lots of big stuff. They put out Springsteen and Billy Joel and stuff in the 70s. And then Sony buys them out and they get huge in the 80s, like, you know, triple, quadruple in size. Why? Well, because CDs came out and they could sell you all the same stuff over again for no cost. Right. You're going right. to buy all of those CDs again. So we're going to make lots of money on stuff that we didn't have to do anything to Wait, create okay. the product. Which is funny because if you, if, you, if you read the technicality of it, you don't own it. You're just licensing the content. Well, that's always the case, right? So shouldn't shouldn't you be able if you already owned the LP or the cassette? Format? Yeah, shouldn't you be able to get it for the cost of media since you already yeah, should, licensed the content? Isn't, isn't that the opposite end of the <laughs> arguments that they always try to make? Yeah. Um but but you but you see my point, sure, right? Sure, 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 sure. Okay. So so they 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 ballooned and and they never shrunk down, right? Mm-hmm. So they ended up making piles of money that they arguably should not have made, right? Should not have made in the sense that they didn't do anything to make the money, right? And the bureaucracy of the company blew up, commiserate with that. And and then they they can't ma- now they can't make records for a small amount of money. Everything has to be a blockbuster, right? And I feel like the same thing happened in the movie industry, where things got so big, so out of control. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um. And I think I think that that in the end is the big problem with all these things is that these these media companies are so big and bloated because they're doing things, you know, the amount of people who are actually making the films, you know, making the art and whatever it is. There's just there's just too much glut. You know, they need to. So maybe, you know, ultimately they do crash and burn. And the same thing with. It's like what's happening with the magazine companies now and that kind of stuff, right? The publishing mm-hmm. houses. Well, it's all over. I mean, you could you could argue the same thing with video games. You know, right. you've got the the big AAA titles, the Call of Duties, the Battlefields um, that and, spend literally hundreds of millions of dollars. And then you have Angry Birds. Yeah. And there's very little in between those two. No one's making Lemmings anymore. <laughs> yeah, when life gives you Lemmings. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that game. Lemmings? Yeah. 
Yeah, you're not a big you're not a big game person. No, I do not. Although, let me tell you something. I saw watch somebody playing the new Tomb Raider the other day. Uh, it's it's very cinematic. It's very pretty. Yep, they did a very good job on that. Yeah, the the state of of gaming of of what they're able to do in real time with these real time game engines and and how much is going on on screen and I mean it's it makes amazing. me want to uh, buy Tomb Raider and get a controller for my computer and I can like you know that play on my projector. Yeah, get it on Steam and uh, and play it on your gigantic projector. <sighs> That's what I'm thinking. Hey, do you think? <sighs> There's a problem in the industry. I think there's a problem in art. Wait, which, which industry? Uh, well, every industry, especially the photo industry. Okay. You know, somebody brought this up on the show on on the on the 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 um what's it called the other day? Google Plus. Google Plus. Yep. Um. And uh, it was Nicholas wrote in right. He said, uh, "I I used to, when I used to watch American Idol. Really, Nicholas, you watched American Idol." <laughs> when i used to watch american idol i was He's moved al- on to the voice man leave him alone <laughs> i was always surprised by the number of people shown in auditions who were bad and seemingly genuinely surprised by the reaction to their singing like they'd never listened to themselves and compared what their output sounded like to a professionals or a gifted amateurs uh i would think that that would be the fir- one of the first things you do for instance what's the quality uh what the quality of level of national geographic magazine looks like is, har- is harsh self-criticism correlated to your ability level? Are there masters who are loose critics? Uh, can you be too hard on yourself? Right? So the idea is, when do you know that you're no good? Mm. Right? Yes. How, like, it, it, it is, 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 tr- is being able to accurately sort of gauge yourself on the ruler on the ruler of quality an important part no, of being I mean, an artist quality is so subjective i mean let's 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 dive in there are a lot of photographers out there who are big name photographers whose work isn't that great right they've got juice they've got reach they've got great social media they've got you know lots of people that follow them but if you look at the work, eh, it's okay. Oh, there's there's photographers, you know, that I follow who put up pictures that are so bad that I'm kind of like, aren't you embarrassed putting that up? Like, mm-hmm. that's just re- not like, oh, Bill, you're such hot shit. You, you know, you no, I like whatever. I'm putting that aside for a minute because I, I, every once in a while, I put up a bad picture too. Right. You know, usually it's a silly thing, but I self edit a lot. Right. You know, you don't, well, and you I, don't see I everything that I do. And I see stuff that I'm like, do they actually think this is good or did they just put this up as like a joke? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, self-editing, I think, is another skill, right? It's a, it's being able to recognize good work from bad work or not even so polarized good and bad. Maybe just work that needs some massaging here and there. That's another skill set. Um. Yeah. I feel like there's, there's, I know that there is a certain amount of, I know that this is not as good as Richard Avedon, Mm -hmm. but this is great for me. Right? Sure. Like this is my best work, even though I realize that it's not great work in the grand scheme of things. Sure. 
I mean, no, that, knowing that in a year or two years time, you're going to look back on that and go, wow, what was I thinking? I'm so much better now. Right. Like, and, and, and I take, you know, the, I take, for example, my landscape pictures that I take when I'm on trips and stuff, I'm not a landscape photographer. Although I do like that sh- slow shutter shot that you posted of the, of the yeah, fall. See, I can take a competent landscape when the light is right. I just don't mm-hmm. wait for the light to be right. Right. Like I, I know, I know what you technically need to do. I just don't have the patience to do it well and practice. Um, but, and, 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 and so I put up things that are like, okay, that's a passable landscape shot. There's plenty of stuff that I look at that I take and I go, wow, that is terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible. I will never show that to anybody, you know? Um, so there's, there's a difference between this is good for me. And like, honestly, knowing that this is bad, right? But at the same time, you know, for example, in the Google Plus group, we, you know, we're at like almost 500 people. I want people to share mm-hmm. what they're doing. I want people to grow and learn from each other and all that kind of stuff. And and in general, the the quality of work in there is very high. Yes, it so, is. So I'm not talking about our group and I think everyone's really great about it. But there's a lot of other stuff out there where it's like, what do you do? What is what is quality when both the artists and the clients can't tell good from bad? Mm-hmm. What do you do? You know. Well, I, I think part of it gets us back to was it last week or the week before's discussion about content, 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 where there's just this demand for new content, right? Whether just, it's good or whether it's I bad, need stuff it, to it, fill the bucket. Yes. You know, now one of the things that I like to do is I'll go to either 500 pixels or, or photo blur. In fact, we did a post about this on faded and blurred where I'll just enter in keywords or I'll enter in tags or, or themes or something and see what comes back to see how people are interpreting things and to see, you know, like if I get stuck and I'm, I'm like, oh, I don't know what to shoot today or I, I, I want, I want to go in a different direction. I'll look and see what people are posting and it's, it's the people you've never heard of lately for me anyway. It's the people I've never heard of that are absolutely humbling me sure. in seeing their work. Yeah. You know, it's the people that are out there. They're hungry to create images. They're, it's the people in the Google Plus group. Right. They're out there shooting because they love it, not because it's some requisite activity that they have to go through. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's inspiring. But, but – <sighs> Yeah, and I think that those people realize those people realize that they're good. I guess it goes it kind of goes back to what we were saying last week about you know when, when does a dream become a delusion? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that a lo- I mean I think I think a lot of the people on American Idol don't actually believe they're that good and are good actors, right? There's there's always the you, sure, you got to have a, a few amount stink- of shtick, right? right. Yeah. Um, but you know, if, 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 if you have one person who's pretty good and one person who's just like, yeah, I'm pretty good, but you actually look at their pictures and they're terrible. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you explain to them that they're not good? Well, there's the, the other side of it is there's a, there's a domino effect of the people in whatever discipline or genre you're in that are being rewarded and they're C students. You know, their work's okay, right. but they're being lauded as amazing. You've got a number of people who are patterning the work that they do after the work that's being noticed. 
Right. Like all the people so you, copying, you know, Carson. Right. So you've got, <laughs> I see what you did there. A little dig at David Carson. Right. You like that? David Carson's a genius, man. David Carson made a few works of genius and then he got sloppy himself and everyone who copied him was a schlub. But move on. Forgive him, Lord. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so you've, you've got that. You've got this sort of, you know, following bad work with even worse work that's just a knockoff of the bad work. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, and instead of being, you know, there, there, you have to be good. You have to strive to be good. You know, I, I don't remember who says it, but he's like, don't, don't, don't be good. Just be different. Well, no. Wait, who said that? I don't remember. Chase Jarvis? I don't I don't remember. Okay. I don't I don't remember who it was. But it was there was this it was I'm going to have to look it up now. But anyway, the the point is no, you don't just need to be different. You you do need to be good. You do need to hone your craft. You do need to learn and grow. It's you don't just be different for the sake of being different. Yeah. You know what's really funny is that there's an uh, Arthur Freed quote Mm-hmm. Which is says, don't try to be different, just be good. To be good is different enough. Well, that's kind of it, right? <laughs> that's see, this is what that's what I buy into. You know, I'm not going to actively try to make something different in order to be different. I'm just going to be me, and I'm going to be really effing good at it, right? So that people can't help but notice me. Yes, right. That's 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 the that's the um, you know stand up sort of you know. Uh, white light behind you sentiment, but sure. I, but I, but is that, is that being naive? I don't, I don't know that it's being naive, but it's in the day of, you know, Facebook and sharing and whatever it is, is it enough to be really good or do you just have to be novel? Well, look, the precedent, you could argue that the precedent is being set, you know, tying it back into American Idol of, of, you know, these kids that are getting multi-million dollar record deals and promotional tours and all of this stuff. And no one's going to remember them three years at, from now. Exactly. Yeah. It's content gonna, with a lowercase c. Yes. And they're going to crash and wonder what the hell happened. Okay. But does it matter? They made a few million dollars in the process. Uh, well, the, the sad part for me is... No, to them, it doesn't matter. And you've got, you know, legions of people across the country that want to be, you know, the next Kim Kardashian or right. something. Now, is you know it, what I mean? Sure. Now, but it, isn't this, isn't this true? Weren't there teeny bopper singers in the fifties who were doing the same exact thing? Uh, one, one hit wonders in the eighties. Sure. Sure. But I think it's more pervasive now. Yeah. There's there's a there's an but, there's an air of entitlement now that that the this, world somehow owes you a living. But this is similar to the discussion about Soderbergh, which is like, you know what? If this is where the market has pushed all of this, then the market has to suck it up. Does sure. that make sense? Sure. Sure. Uh <sighs> Yeah, w- uh, yeah. It's yeah. upsetting. It is upsetting. Uh, the the other Part of it is, is where do you go to learn? I mean, to your point, to learn good from bad for, I think for, for us on the show here, we look at 
those photographers who've made an impact, those photographers who are considered, you know, sort of iconic and, and look at what makes those images iconic, what makes their career, their life, their work worth patterning or worth at least letting inform your own work. Uh, yeah. And, and, and that's why our photographers of the week tend to be these, you know, big people from the past, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to the big big people from the, from the present. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with, with us thinking that, you know, oh, well, if they're not dead, they're not good photographers. It has nothing to do with that. Right. It's just, it's, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. We're, we're, we're learning from those who came before. Yeah. Sometimes I stand on your shoulders. Um, but it's you're, just me lifting you up where you belong. But you're not quite as tall as you used to be. That's, that's true. <laughs> I am shrinking as I get older. Are you actually uh, shrinking? No. You I'm sure? Shrinking. Yes. Uh, I was supposed to call you Sedate Day on the show today. Who said that? That's my new my new nickname for you. Oh, great! You don't like that's that? That's gonna stick. Thanks a lot. <laughs> great. You know, I was thinking about something this weekend uh, as I was driving around. Foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> Wait, you you drive? You know what? I do. I rented a car. Uh, friends of ours, uh, uh, H.A. and I, Conrad and I, uh, and some friends went up to Niagara and Toronto, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But but it, I, I, I had a lot of time in the car to think because it's, right. you know, very exhausting. Um and I was thinking about sort of uh, negative feedback loops, mm-hmm. right? Uh, where you go and you try something and it doesn't work. And you think that it didn't work because it's never going to work and that you should try something else. So when right it, off the bat, you think if it didn't work the first time, bad idea, let's move on. Right. Okay. When in reality, maybe it's just that you tried once or twice and it didn't work, but it's only going to work three times out of five and you just happen to pull the lucky, the, the unlucky straws and get the first two failures. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. Where somebody equally could have done the same thing and been lucky and hit on something that's big and think that it's their ticket to the, to the, to the high life. Give, give me an example. Um, well, I was thinking about the, how I talk about how um, in the past when I've tried projects that I wasn't inspired by to begin with or felt conceived that they didn't work out for me like that and, laid and, off and you abandoned and that kind them? of stuff. Yeah. And I abandoned them. Okay. Right. Cause it was just like, you know what? This isn't working. Cut my losses and move on. When and, in reality, maybe you have to do that five or six times and maybe they don't all work. And maybe it's just that I, so I've created a pattern in my mind that says that that way of thinking does not work when in reality, maybe it does work. It just didn't work for me that time. Can you can you look back at the projects that you have completed and is is there a common thread that that those ones that you've completed when you started them you were in it you, you were feeling good about them and yes. sort of firing on all on all cylinders yes absolutely okay. uh, or or yeah I jumped in and it was you know all all in mm-hmm. and that's generally when I work best is I work all in right the problem is is that you can't make all in happen true. You can't, you can't will yourself to get excited about something. Sometimes you're just excited about something and sometimes you're not. 
Yes, uh, but uh, maybe there are incremental successes that will lead to that aha moment, that will lead to that happy accident that then allows you to be excited about it. And yeah, that, maybe there it, are. It feels like that's what you're saying is, is you didn't let those little incremental things, you didn't give them a chance to, to grow. Right, exactly. Um, or it, maybe I'm right. I just, I guess, I, I guess, I, you know, my, my initial conclusion, which is that that doesn't work for me, maybe that's correct. But I'm kind of, I'm coming to the point where I'm kind of rethinking all of the things that I, I have tenants and the way I work and the way that I look at things. Uh, I've built up rules of how I see the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming to question them sort of across the board where they came from, why I feel that way, what, what, what experience that I have that made me come up with this rule, you know? Right. I burned my hand. Okay. Do not touch hot pans. You know? Right, right, right. Um, so are you going back and revisiting some of these early projects that have been abandoned? Uh, I have not yet, but it's, what's interesting is that, I mean, the stuff that I am rethinking are, are big life things too, you know? Hmm. Um, so it goes, it's, it's, this is deep, real foundational stuff that in the end, I hope to come out a more, um, open-minded person, arguably, right? Less filled with, with stress and hate. <laughs> wow. Um, next on a very special on taking pictures. Well, you know, this is, this is, this is big stuff, right? But it, yeah. but it informs what I do. Um, yes. You know, the other, the other day I, I, I was looking at, did I talk about this last week? I was looking at stuff for a competition that I was asked to enter. Right. Did I talk about this last week? I don't remember. I was looking through pictures, trying to find something to send in for this, co- this portrait competition. Uh, and it had to have been taken last year. And I was going through all the pictures that I took last year and there was nothing in there that I felt was good enough to send in. Really? Out of all of portraits that you took last year. Yeah. And I was just now, like, okay, you know, now, that, wait, that's up, very up. upsetting to me. Back up. Uh, are you not happy with the body of work looking back or is there nothing representative of where you think you are right now? Um, both. Really? I didn't shoot enough and I am not as good as I need to be. Hmm. Right. Does that make sense? Interesting. Yeah. 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 So what do you do? Well, you just don't send in this year and you try to make good enough work for next year, I guess. I mean, that's sad, but true. Right. Right. Um, and it, but it upset me. It was just sort of like, okay, wait a minute. A year of my life went by and a few years ago, like 2007, say I shot so much stuff that I had plenty of stuff to send in. In fact, I did send like three pictures into this competition that year because I was shooting every single day and I was shooting different people every day and blah, blah, blah. If you were to go back and look at those three entries that you sent in, they're still pretty good pictures. They would still make the cut. Um, more so than the stuff I've been taking lately. Hmm. I feel like the stuff I've been taking lately are shades of the same color. So you're not going anywhere new. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that I'm refining what is the Bill Wadman style. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it sounds like that's not enough for you. It sounds like it's a dead end. Yeah, it is. Um, because it's good. 
but it's not good enough. Right. You know, it's like, um, and I'm not in any way comparing myself to Pollock, but if you watch the movie Pollock, Mm -hmm. it's like one of my favorite movies, he's making all this stuff in the beginning and he's painting and everyone's like, Oh, that's really great. And like, yo, keep, you know, keep making stuff like that. And there's just a point at which he's just like, this is just not good enough. Mm -hmm. Like there needs to be some there. I tangentially need to move in a completely different direction because this isn't happening, you know? And that's when he starts, then he figures out the whole dribble thing. Right. Right. And I, I actually prefer Pollock's work before the dribbling stuff more than the stuff afterwards. But, you know, putting that aside for the moment, Mm -hmm. he found some, he found a new direction to go in. He knew that where he was going and what he was doing just was not good enough. Do you think there's something to the sort of the, the aspect of the unknown of it where we're parallel this to your own work? He was producing with, with the, the drip work, work that people didn't initially understand. Uh, yeah. I mean, and he was – that what he was doing was actually um, – pushing the bounds of what art was mm-hmm. defined as I do not expect to do the same thing with photography in many ways, because I, I wonder if photography even has bounds to be pushed in that way anymore. And I know that sounds like the guy in 1888, who's just like, everything that's been invented has been invented. So are you, are you asking if there are no more new points of view? Um, I'm saying that I wonder if any new points of view are actually that different than what we've seen. And I'm not saying good work can't be done in the mm-hmm. realms that we've been in, but I don't know if there's going to be any breakthrough things of photography that are going to blow the mind of photographers everywhere. We're you not, know? we're not discovering a new Island where we're maybe right. We, 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 you know, we have the entire globe mapped right mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. There's no uncharted territory on the lands of the earth. Right. Um, so, you know, there's not, there, there is no lost world in, in the world. You know, we know that because we've been everywhere. And I think in, so, now that doesn't mean that great things aren't happening and people aren't discovering things on small scales and small cities and stuff. That's, that'll happen forever. But I think that, I think that there, the limitations of a light capturing instrument, which is what photography is, also limit what you can do with it. Right. Mm hmm. You are, you are capturing what is in front of the lens and then doing all kinds of stuff. But I mean, if, if, if anything that, if, if there's any room for growth in the photographic arts as a whole, it's in, it's in manipulation, in which case then it becomes as much illustration as it is photography. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is, is there someone or are, are there, are there, are there images that you can point to that you can say that's that's something special. That's something that we haven't seen at least much of. Maybe not we haven't seen it before, but we haven't seen much of it. Um, like new stuff? Mm-hmm. No. I can't. But then again, I'm not always looking at new stuff all the time, right? I'm not the kind of photographer who's like looking at pictures all the time. Um, I mean, I see things that I like, and usually the stuff that I like could be described as sublime you know, there's like this, um, you know, uh, as much as some people make fun of the sort of, um, what's the Cartier-Bresson thing about the, the, the moment stuff, the decisive moment, decisive moment. 
there is that in Do many people make ways. fun of that, really? I think that there was a pushback from that at a certain time. I think that was a thing through the 60s, say, and then in the 70s, when everyone started using large format cameras and shooting, you know, gas station signs, stands and like Stephen Shore and that kind of stuff. I think that it became less about the decisive moment and more about being very, that the, 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 it wasn't just waiting for something to happen. It was sort of putting it down and just capturing what was in front. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And mm-hmm. that, like in a more meditative sense. Okay. Um, you weren't waiting for something exciting to happen, you know? Uh, I, and I think that, I think that that is, um, but there, but that, that, that there is something to great photographs that makes you feel like they could not be recreated. Does that make sense? Yes. Like that, that that happened and it was captured and it was wonderful and it's never going to happen again. Right. Right. Now, and and there's so many factors that contribute to that. It's, it's where we were on the human timeline. It's, you know, yeah. who was in that it, it was, it's, it's yeah. Okay. Where the light was how the sure. artist felt at that moment in time. And I think that, I think that there was a, before Cartier-Bresson, I think it was as much sort of, it felt like the world was running by in high speed and you had to be good enough to capture it where mm-hmm. later the camera backed up and the photographer became part of the scene. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Like the photographer was also on that, high speed train, you know? And so where he was in his life and his point of view, I say his in a general sense, his, her, um, influenced the photograph as much as what he was looking at changing in front of him. Right. Okay. And I think there was a conscious switch to that in the seventies. And, and uh, do you feel that that is still the case? I still, or have I, we moved yes, on? No, I, I still think that's the case, but I guess what I'm saying is that even the stuff that I see today Look, you know, in pop music, there's there's great popular music that comes out all the time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Radiohead does really great stuff, right? But are the best Radioheads really that far away from the best Beatles stuff? You know what I mean? It's all sort of in the same, like, they're great, but it's not like mind-blowingly different. As mind-blowingly different as Pollock was to uh, Van Gogh was to... Uh, uh, Caravaggio was to Michelangelo. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like like quantum leaps in the visual arts in, say, painting or in writing. I mean, compare, you know, you go from Shakespeare to Melville to Joyce to, you see what I'm saying? Sure. Like, where that stuff progressed in a way that was amazing. But, you know, the street pictures of Gary Winogrand, there are equally crazy pictures from the 1920s taken on the street by people with a brownie, you know? I wonder what the hmm. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to unpack uh, what that means and where to go with it. Well, it, I mean, for for me, it means that uh, you know I used to play this game on BBSs back in the day called Yankee Trader. Okay, and the whole thing about Yankee Trader was that you jumped around planets, right? It was all text based, right? It was like one mm-hmm. of these things. You logged on. And you would zoom around, uh, you know, go north, go east, go west, you know, up, down, whatever. And you would find a planet. And the planet would have one of three different resources. You know, let's say it was, you know, eggs, wheat, and gold or whatever it is. I don't know what it was. I forget what it was. Um, 
And if it would, if it had a lot of one and not a lot of the other, you could take some of the stuff that had a lot of and go sell it somewhere else where they didn't have a lot of it. You know what I mean? And make money sure, moving back sure. and forth like a Ferengi. Yeah. yeah. Same, same, uh, basic thing as like wing commander privateer. Yeah. Or, Trade wars yeah. was another yeah. one. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was always this this thing where you were looking for a planet at a dead end, right? Where that you could you could hoard all your stuff when you were offline, right? And put lots of fighters up so no one would mess with you. And I feel like in some ways, photographic arts. What I'm looking for is that planet that I can call my own and grow on. You know what I mean? Now outside of the view of the rest of the galaxy, or the rest of the system. Yeah, or just a place to call my own, mm-hmm. right? Um. And now you could say that, wait, hold on a second, Bill. You just said that you were looking for a planet and a dead end that you could, you know, no one else had gotten to yet that you could grow on. But you were also complaining a few minutes ago about how you feel like your current work is is a dead end. Right? Like there's nowhere to grow in the current direction that I'm growing. Right. Or rather, it's all, it's all incremental from here on in. It's turtles all the way down. You know. Um and it's true, right? I mean, that's uh, and I, I understand that those are 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 confusing. I'm trying to have it both ways. Sure. Um, but but I guess the thing is that it's like you're almost looking for a pocket of somewhere where people haven't really been yet, or or a place between the sublime where you can create something of your own that just fits in, just kind of slides in, perfect. It's almost like the photographic world is is a brick wall is, is a stone wall with no mortar. And you just want to find the one place where your stuff just kind of fits. Right. 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 Well, that's a, and that's a tall order because you've got the, the instrument that you're using records what's in front of it. Yes. Right. But my point of view and what I see and what I do, I mean, that is, is, is a big part of it, right? Sure. But is, but is what you see, I mean, going back to your, your Radiohead Beatles metaphor, is what you see as a portrait photographer going to be that different from what any other portrait what photographer Irving Penn came saw before 40 you? years ago? Yeah. Uh, no. And that's what is kind of frustrating and upsetting and a little bit disheartening to me mm-hmm. is that I don't know that I am – I don't know if – I am not getting better fast enough because I'm not working hard enough or because I've reached the edge of my potential. Well, I mean, I, hmm, maybe you need to mix up your subject matter because look, there, there's only so much that you're going to be able to do in Lightroom or Photoshop or Capture One or whatever else to set you apart, right? It's your subject matter and your point of view on how you record that subject matter that's right. going to set you apart. And look, I think, you know, people look at my work and they know that it's one of my pictures. You know, I mean, not everybody, but there's plenty of people who write me and go, did you take this picture? And I'll be like, yeah. And they'll be like, yeah, I could tell. Mm-hmm. Which, you know what, it can't be said of a lot of people. I'm very proud of the fact that people say that about me. But is that... Is, is that my that, post-production or is that my yeah, camera? Is, yeah. Is it uh, your vision? Is it your style? And and how do we... How do we vision not versus only re- style. There's an interesting one. Yeah. How do we reconcile those and how do we separate them? Oh, that's a tough one. Vision versus style. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I have a particular, well, you know what? I think that people need both. 
You know, we are all using the same tools. We yes, need, by we, and large, yeah. We we need to use them in the, the the ways to visually differentiate yourself are are limited. You know, um, as far as just like okay, I can point the camera a different direction and I can get a different picture, but it's gonna have the same look. So you do some stuff and post to make it look a little different, a little more like yours in whatever way. In the old days, it used to be stuff in the dark room or using a different film or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Well, uh, and, and with photography, you're dealing with a fraction of a moment. Yeah. You know, it's, it's with cinema to kind of bring this back to where we began with cinema. You, you have 24 chances every second to affect the viewer. In some way, right? Yeah, where with photography, you got to get it right the first time. You've got to get it right. Um, yeah, it's 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 nagging at me a little bit because I don't know where to go from here. To the point where you want to put the camera down for a little while and figure it out, or to the point where you want to take the camera out more often and figure it out. Uh, more the latter. You know, mm-hmm. I want to pick the camera up. Although I'm not the guy who carries my camera around with me. Cause when I do, I don't tend to like the stuff I get. I've never, uh, I should take that back. Um, there are only a handful of times in my life that I've ever happened to have a camera with me and take something really great that I, you know, am really proud of. Invariably when I take the best stuff, it's when I've, I've planned to take. Interesting. Work. You know, in, in, I don't, I don't happen upon great photographs. So you, you, in, in your life, art doesn't happen. Art is made. Yes. Now art may happen between myself and my subject, Mm -hmm. but that is after I've already done the work to create the situation where they and I are there in the first Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Sure. I've removed a bunch of the variables. I've set up lights. It's nighttime. We have two hours or whatever it is, right? That, that, that's like, there's, there's, there's time to work. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's made. I mean, if it's not made, if it, if art just happens, then what was your, what was your input into it? Right. If art just happened, then it's not art. Ooh, that's a big statement. Well, because otherwise it's just – it's happenstance. It's random acts. Well, but, but there, there is random. There, there, there are – there is random acts. There are random acts. There, there are those happy accidents when you're uh, – and, and maybe it's maybe – it's Yeah, but then you not- do something with that happy accident. I mean getting back to the Pollock thing like in the movie where he's just like, oh, he's messing around. He starts dribbling by accident because mm-hmm. he's like mixing the paint. I mean – yeah, sure. That sort of happened. And then he went, oh, you know, but, you know, people don't just like turn backwards, throw paint over their shoulder and turn around and it's a finished painting. True. See what I'm saying? True. Like if, if and, and in the same way with a camera, I mean, you could say, yeah, but you're pointing the camera and pressing the shutter at a particular time. So therefore that's your input. But, you know, that's you could just spray and pray and go edit later. And and in the editing is the art. I mean, that's the argument with the guys who go say, oh, here's my, here's my new photograph. And all it is, is, is a picture that they took off of Google maps. Mm-hmm. 
It was you sort know, of Richard Prince kind of the whole like street view thing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, 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 hold on a second. That's you know, to me, that's not art. I mean, it technically reaches some definition, you know, meets some definition of art, but it, I don't like that. That is what we consider art nowadays, right? Um, well, you 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 have often lamented the demise of craft, as have you, my friend. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm alone. I, <laughs> I, I, yes, I am a huge fan of process and and getting there, and not necessarily meaning that you have to sort of live in a warehouse, dress in black, and suffer for your art. I don't mean that at all. But I, I <laughs> although do if res- you do, that's really cool. Yeah, if you can pull that off, <laughs> good yeah. for you. Good for you. Uh, but I do believe that that process informs the outcome um i do too uh so in some ways that's but you know we can't have our cake and eat it too because i also am frustrated by the idea that you know um some people will say you know oh yeah yeah, i see how you put that picture together but you know had you actually done it with her there instead of doing a composite that would have been a better picture even though i could not tell the difference in the final version See what I'm saying? Like, are, yes. is, is there a value judgment to be made on what craft you use to make something? I think people will always make value judgments right. <laughs> no matter what you do. You didn't actually build that set. You, you know, photographed that set somewhere else. So that's not as – that image is not worth as much as had you spent $10,000 to build the set. But then there are those like myself. I would probably put me in this category where I look at a seamless composite – if I can even tell. Uh, but if I find out later that something, especially if I find out something later was a composite, I have an enormous amount of respect because getting a good composite is an art into itself. It's difficult. Right. It's a skill. Yep. Yep. And that's kind of where I come down, right? That both of those things are in many ways equally hard. Yeah. I mean, great. If you built a set, good on you. But yeah. if you it's not like you're pushing, virtual. right? It's not like you're pushing a button that says "put these pictures together." Bloop, right? And or, Photoshop you know, does press the, work. the create good website button, or you know what I mean? It's it's yep. not that simple. Yep, the don't suck knob. Yeah. Yep. Right. It's not that simple. So in some ways, you know, they're they're the value judgment of different crafts uh, needs to be put away a little bit, you know. Um, but does it does it mean that? If it was a real pain in the neck for Kubrick to do some special effect back in 1969 that we can now do on our laptops, does that mean we need to push it for, we are obligated to push it further because it's easier for us. So now we have to do whatever is hard for us. Well, I think there's that tendency, isn't there? Yeah. And that's why, you know, we have $150, $150 million movie budgets. Or more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, the, the even, even uh, uh, World War Z. Uh, How much is that? Two fifty. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, so so you've got a two. I mean, using Soderbergh's math, you've got a two hundred and fifty million dollar movie that's got to make roughly three times what it costs to start making any money. Right. <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of zombie fans. Uh, man. <laughs> let's talk about something that doesn't cost a lot of money. Hmm. Let's see. I don't know. 
Uh, how about uh, Shutterstock.com? Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess if you want 22 stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and videos, then that's a good place to start. Uh, they have a few more than that, actually, now. F- 58. 58. No, uh, there's actually 25. And I know you said 23, but it's actually 25 million. That's a lot. It is a lot of photos. You know I mean, what? I went to Niagara Falls this week. This weekend, right? Last yep. week. And and it was raining and it was ugly and the weather wasn't super and I didn't want to sit around for the light to be perfect. And I took some pictures and I'm proud of some of them. But you know what? They're not good enough to put on my wall. So let's say I want to buy a picture of Niagara Falls. 2,761. 2,761 photos of Niagara Falls. Uh, that's a lot of pictures. That is a lot of pictures. This is crazy, these people. They've and got they're, everything. They're very good. Now, okay, now, I wonder mm-hmm. if maybe you just wanted a waterfall picture. Oh, just waterfall. They, I bet you they have 43 pictures of waterfalls. 78,000 and plus. 78,000 and change. That's a lot of pictures. That's a lot of pictures. <laughs> uh, that's more pictures than I've taken in the past two years. All of waterfalls. And all really <laughs> beautiful pictures of waterfalls. Yes. Wow, look at all those pictures. Yeah. You know, you know what, you know what the one thing that waterfall brings out in people? What is that? HDR. Uh yeah, people seemingly, love the HDR. Seemingly yep. it's all about HDR with the They waterfall. love the HDR. Um look, Shutterstock's a great place, right? You can find over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, video clips. Uh, you can go to shutterstock.com, search and uh, find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication or other creative project. You know, we, I you know, I have suggested before you need a coffee cup for a composite. Go Shutterstock.com. You know, buy buy hey, the picture. You know what else they have that's new? Have you what? seen this spectrum view? Oh, where you can see by color. Yeah, they they they've got a, a color slider at the top of the light box here, and you know, let's say you wanted to search for forest. I don't know. So you search for forest, and then you can drag the slider along, and it will return images that are in that color range that's pretty high end it's pretty amazing yeah no that's see that's exactly what computers should be doing right doing the work for you helping you find the thing that you need right 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 (laughs) uh but look they've got images from across the world they got everything to suit your project uh you go image like image packs of two or three images you can go to monthly subscription packages if you own a big website and need pictures all the time uh so every time you go there, you, you'll find something new because they're adding 10,000 images a day. It's a lot of images a day. It, it's more images than I took yesterday. Uh, and, I, w- I would hope. <laughs> and there's no extra charges for large files, right? So you download an image, any size, you pay only one price. So they don't nickel and dime you for high-res images. Right. If you need it, you get it in high-res. And there is that Lightbox app for the iPad. Yes. You can share these kinds of things. You know, you find a bunch of good stuff. You send it to somebody else. There's a there's an enhanced license access if you want to print the thing out uh, on like say swag for trade show or that kind of thing you can get an enhanced license for printing that kind of stuff yeah uh, and th- I mean that covers over two hundred fifty thousand of whatever you're running of, yeah whatever run you're doing uh, and they have a huge library of vectors icons and infographic t- man I got to make more infographics. I was thinking of making some infographics of my composites so having like the little pieces with like lines drawing in between them and show how it like kind of came together. 
yes. Infographics cool, right? are tough. I, I like, I mean. Well, that's look. why I was going to have you help me with it. Yeah. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to go to Shutterstock and see if I can find something. Yeah. If you need help with Shutterstock, <laughs> you get an account rep dedicated to you and they'll answer any questions and they're available 24 hours a day during the week. See, these people do not sleep. For you, they don't sleep. Yeah. Uh, so go, images are their business. <laughs> go over to shutterstock.com. You don't need a credit card to set up a free browse account. Uh, and when you decide to buy, you know, you decide that you think it's, it's worthwhile that you go and you get one of these plans because you need images all the time. You need 25 images a day, every day. So you can get it for a couple hundred bucks a month for 25 yeah. images a day, every day. It's unbelievable. Uh, their, their stats just as a little aside. 77,000 new stock images added this week. That's a lot. That's kind of wild, right? No, it's totally crazy. Uh, And look, if you decide to buy, uh, you go purchase, use the offer code uh, pictures five and you'll get 30% off any package. So instead of buck 99, it would be what? Like 30% off would be 60, 140 bucks. For a month. Per month for 25 images a day, every day. Yeah. This is, I'm telling you, The Verge needs this. So what do you, you're saving quite a bit. Yeah, the, the 30% is a huge thing. That's good. Yeah, it's great. So showstock.com, go check them out. Uh, we thank them very much for their support. Uh, you know, so I, I did go up to, uh, up to the uh, Niagara Falls. Would they, is this the reveal? Is this what they would call the reveal? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I carried my camera which I generally don't do that much. Uh, or, no, wait, you, you carried uh, like your DSLR, not just your phone. Not just my phone. I carried okay. my, f- my 5D3 with, the, with that 40 millimeter pancake lens on it. Okay. Is uh, that the I, only lens you brought? I brought a 24 to 105, like just in case I needed to take stuff from far away or wanted wide angle. Um, but I used the 40 for most of it. Um, that thing's tiny. It is. It's very nice. It's, it's, it's sharp. It's great. I love that lens. Um, but you know what? I didn't take all that many pictures that I liked. Well, you're not, you, you know, you're not uh, an environmental person like a photographer. You, you, that's not your, that's not your, your bag. As right. The kids say. And I, I think it's interesting that, that when somebody says that they're a photographer, somebody who's not a photographer automatically assumes that they just take all kinds of pictures. Right. You know, it's like if you say you're a painter and you actually do like modern abstract, whatever, people are like, oh, so can you do this thing like Norman Rockwell? It's like, well, no, you know, I don't do that kind of stuff or, right. or could you paint my house? You sure. Know? Yeah. There's an assumption that if you can make portraits, you can also do sports and weddings and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's just interesting. And I, every time I, you know, people are always like, oh, I carry my camera everywhere I go and. And that's great if you can do that. But I, every time I do that, I, I feel like I come home disappointed. Like I, I expected myself to get better pictures than I did. You know? But you didn't. Yeah, but you didn't. Right. I come home and I'm like, eh, it's okay. I don't know. You ever feel that way? All the time. Um, but, no. I, but, I, but see, I don't have – I think I'm lucky in that I don't – I don't put much expectation on myself when it comes to making pictures. I, okay. I just, I just go through. In fact, when I'm, when I'm out shooting, I, I think I've talked about this. I don't use the back of the camera at all. I just shoot and I look at it when I get home. And right. if I got something, I got something. If I didn't, I didn't. Right. Okay. 
Well, you're, you're, uh, yeah, no, you're, I wish I could do that. I'm too crazy to do that. Um, and then we went up to Toronto. We went up in the CN tower. That thing's tall. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There was something between here and Toronto. Actually, it was on the way back. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, on the way back, we stopped in Rochester and Rochester, for those of you who don't know, is the location of the headquarters of the company Eastman Kodak that we all know and love. And uh, and there, while there are buildings downtown that are, you know, just big office buildings of theirs, uh, Jeffrey and I on, on the Internet a few weeks ago, I think we actually talked about this on the show. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the, these giant factories that they have up north of north end of the city. And I wanted to go check them out. So. We actually, I talked to the people I was with into um, going, <laughs> driving up to, to, the, to the Kodak factories. And how, how far out of the way was it for you guys when you were, as you're driving? Maybe a 15 minute drive each way. Okay. Uh, but we got off, this, uh, got off the highway and what you didn't really realize from looking at the pictures, because there's all these roads that are like Kodak Road 47, Kodak Way, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um is that there are gatehouses and those, you know, little fold up things that keep you out security gates all over the place. So you can't like get in and drive around the factories, but, uh, we did go, well, it's out. still in use. I mean, th- th- this is not an abandoned factory. I think no, 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 absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know how much of it is in use, right. Or how often they're doing runs. I mean, that's the question because, mm-hmm. but it's not abandoned is what I'm saying. No, 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 no. And it was a Sunday that we were there. So it, it you know, it's going to be less than, it would be on a, on a weekday, but it does beg the question. Like if this was where they used to make a billion rolls a year and now they only sell 20 million rolls a year, how often are they actually running these things? Right. You know, but it was huge and uh, monstrous. And, you know, we took, I took some pictures of these factories. They're enormous. And there's all these crazy tubes that go between them and all that kind of stuff. It was a little sad. Um, yeah. Because you know in 20 years those factories probably won't be there or at least big chunks of them won't be there. Yeah, if even 20. You know, I kind of wish that we knew somebody up there. Maybe there's a listener to the show or something who works for Kodak who next time I go up can give me a tour. Uh, I'd, I'd fly up to, to get a tour of that place to show me like, okay, here's where we used to make, you know, Kodachrome. Right. And here's the machine that like made the last batch of Kodachrome or, you know, this is where these guys invented this formulation or whatever it is, right? Um, that would be pretty cool, but uh, it was a little sad, a little upsetting. Yeah. Would you Would you bother going up there? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was something Especially different. if I could take something, like if I could take like a beaker or something, like you know. You're taking a beaker now. Now you're, you're like stealing some sort of, stuff. Some sort of <laughs> well, no, I would ask probably. <laughs> hey, uh, see this beaker here? Anybody using these tongs? <laughs> I can see you going there. I can see you rocking that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it was just, it was an interesting trip and, um, Niagara Falls though, pretty impressive. Uh, what was more impressive standing atop that horrible glass floor on the CN tower, which freaks you out. Yes. Or the, or the falls. Yeah. I I went Uh, up there once and it was at night and it was just, the the falls were, impressive um i i had been to the falls before when i was like eight mm-hmm. i had not been to the sea i'd never been to toronto um 
I I would say that overall I'm more into natural grandeur than impressive feats of engineering. Okay. I, I really enjoyed Although the Toronto CN Tower was re- Toronto was beautiful and the food was good. We, we stayed with friends and yeah, no, it was great. Uh, but you know, Niagara Falls is Niagara Falls, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be a national park if it weren't overrun with tourism back in the 1840s. In many ways, it's it's because of what happened in Niagara Falls as far as consumerism that led to people making, uh, creating the national parks in the first place. Interesting. Yep. So has it has the little isn't the little island between the American Falls and the is, didn't you say that that was that was national park or something? Uh, that's a state park. The state it's park. A, okay. It's a state park. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but there's you know it's all casinos and big hotels and we were on the 48th floor overlooking the two uh, the two falls. It was pretty impressive, like sitting in our room, like overlooking the falls. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, so anyway, it was just it was something neat. So go up there and do it. But you know, I carried a camera and I took X amount of pictures and I came home and there's maybe like 15 that I really like. Hmm. It happens. Just goes to show you it's all about the editing. Uh, yes. So uh, there's been some – we spent a long time last week talking about this creative cloud stuff. Well, look, it's it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've been reading some more and, and, and the feedback from people and, and the back and forth and stuff. And I'd like to say that I've come around to some things. One <laughs> – well, well, good. <laughs> well, okay. No, I was never a, this is fantastic kind of thing. I was just more of a, you know what? It's going to happen. And if you were already paying for it, the majority of people are probably going to pay about what they paid before. Some more, some less, but you know, average out. Um, and, and some people made some good points, which I'd like to bring up. First of all, Adobe on their FAQ file said that they heard a lot of people saying, I use Lightroom and I use Photoshop. I don't want to spend $40 a month to use Lightroom and Photoshop. Right. Um, their current recommendation is to buy a perpetual license of photo of Lightroom, which will continue as a perpetual license, which is odd. Like, why single that out? Uh, and then basically lease Photoshop with Creative Cloud. So it's 20 bucks a month plus whatever you paid for Lightroom. Yeah, but that's that's still working out to $35 a month, roughly. Right. Something for like both that. of them. Yeah. So what you're getting a $5 discount. Right. Thanks Adobe. Well, so what I, what I would say to that is, uh, what they really should do if they, if they want to make nice, because I think the majority of the people who are pissed about it, right. Are our listeners. They're, they're people who use Photoshop a lot, amateurs and ser- serious amateurs and like, uh, more uh, smaller, sure. lower end professionals who can't afford to spend that much money on sure. software. Who were the do, guys do, who were do buying a bundle, it every, right. Lightroom and Photoshop, twenty bucks a month, done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You get Photoshop and you get Lightroom too. You know. Uh, now that still doesn't fix the problem of our friend in the who's down in the Pacific Ocean who can't buy it either way because Adobe won't let him. So I don't know where the answer is to that, but. Um, it, it, it seems like doing some sort of bundle if it's 20 bucks a month or 24.95 a month and you can get both of them or whatever mm-hmm. i think that would that that's a, a good they should do that right like a photographer's package now the flip side of it that's a bad thing and somebody said it's just like look 
if you're paying every month, there's absolutely no impetus for Adobe to continue making it better. See, as it is now, the new version comes out and I decide whether or not I want to buy it based upon the new features. And, you know, Adobe is therefore has some drive to make something which has features that I think are worth buying. Mm-hmm. If I'm now paying $20 a month, they could just keep, they, they, they could not do anything to it at all for 10 years. I, I don't think they're going to, but they could, right? Did, 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 you see what I'm saying? Sure. And I think that that is, that is as good of an argument as any against it. Okay. But what if, let's say that I'm perfectly happy with the feature set of CS6 or CS5 or CS4. Right. I'm having to pay for the feature set of CS7 every month. Well, you could buy CS6 and just stick with that. Right. But you're saying like in the future. In the future. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're fine with the version that comes out next year, but you don't need the next four versions. Yes. It's eliminating user choice. It's eliminating, yep. do I need right. these features? Right. Do I want these features yeah. or don't I? And apparently there's a big, uh, there's some sort of uh, petition to be signed uh, against all this or in some way, you know, arguing, uh, cloud. Well, they're, they're arguing that, that they can't support developing, you know, two different versions. And, and, you know, when, when asked about it, the, the Adobe VP said, you know, how do you, they asked him, how do you justify the price increase to photographers? And the the response was, well, but we cut the price of Lightroom in half last year. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't really address how you're, justifying the increase for the, you know, here's the thing though. Remember how I was saying that it's, you know, you could make a stink, but no one's going to make enough of a stink to make a difference to them. Uh, there's a petition on change.org here with 12,270 supporters. When Adobe sells 7 million copies of their software. Adobe claims that they've got 12.8 million subscribers already, which I think is fairly inflated. This I don't, is one I don't know one how thousandth of their subscribers theoretically that are pissed, you know? Yeah. Well, no. pissed enough to know that there's well pissed enough to make a stink about it, which is pissed enough to actually say something. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting going forward. Um, but I just wanted to say that I understand all of those arguments, but I don't know. I don't know what the end is. You said you saw something, you know, that link didn't work by the way, the one you sent me. Uh, on F-stoppers or whatever with the interview with the guy. Oh, really? I'm looking at it. Here, send it to me again. Uh, yep, says, whoops, looks like you've stumbled on a page that doesn't exist. How very strange. I'm sitting here looking at it. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, basically a VP from Adobe is is defending it, right? Oh, sure. As is Scott Kelby, who actually compared it to uh, Squarespace. Which was kind of funny, right? Saying that that well, you know, if you if you host your website on Squarespace and you don't continue to pay them, your website goes away. Right, right. Well, yeah, that's true. But there are myriad other solutions that people can use, uh, not maybe as good as Squarespace. Which you know what you know what I'm going to do because you know how I made the comment last week that I I have to use Photoshop. Yeah. What what is the next rung down the ladder? Uh, in Adobe's uh, Photoshop elements. Okay, I mean, what about Pixelmator? Go- uh, Pixelmator was just upgraded to version 2.2. Uh, what are you going to miss? Is Pixelmator better than Acorn? Um, I guess what I'm saying is that I'm going to try to edit my next picture with one of those just to see what it's like as an experiment. 
I don't know if it's better or worse. I like the interface better. I like the UI better. Of Pixelmator. Of Pixelmator. Okay. So um, let me, let's let's say that I'll try Pixelmator. What you won't get, uh, you don't get adjustment layers. See, this is that's a huge problem for me. None of those other apps have adjustment layers. That's all I, I ever use. I can't speak to that. Uh, see, this is the problem. Yeah. Uh, what you're doing is you're having to, you know, duplicate the layer and, and it's, you know, make your adjustments and either mask out areas or figure out some other solution. Yeah. Adjustment layers, I will, I will grant you as a huge feature. Yeah. Yeah. And a feature that is 10 years ago or 15 years ago in Adobe. Right. Right. I mean, this is, this is what I'm saying is that these companies are a decade behind where the, where the leader is. I think that's a gross generalization, but okay. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll go play with it and I'll tell you, but anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> um, also we had, uh, Fred Levy wrote in saying that, uh, we gave Larry Clark short shift a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and his arguments, uh, were what, uh, you know what? I just, I had the email open and I closed it. Of course you did. You closed it just when we needed it. <laughs> I know. Um, the, the, the gist of it was that it's Im- important because it's he important was because it's important. Well, no, it was it was important because he was as a photographer, he was experiencing all of this. He wasn't an outsider looking in. He was experiencing this stuff and and sort of documenting it as it happened. OK. Um, Much the same way that Nan Golden is impressive because she took pictures of herself getting beat up by her boyfriend. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, look, I, I, I don't I don't slight the significance of the work. I don't I don't slight that it's not important. We just don't particularly the, like it. I just don't particularly like it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think that there is a line. There's the I think there's a line to be drawn in art in general. That you can understand why something is important, but still dislike it. Right. Yes. Uh, I mean, he sent a bunch of stuff. One of the interesting facts that. uh he sent over that Fred sent over was that in 1970, 10 billion photos were taken per year, right? 1970, right. 10 billion today, close to 400 billion. Yes. 40 times as many pictures are taken now than were taken 40 years ago. Orders of magnitude. Almost an order of magnitude. Yeah. 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 Two, almost two orders of magnitude. So, I mean, that is a big, big deal, Right. Um, now I think that some of this stuff, he also put a link into new journalism, which is like, uh, telling the story using scenes rather than historical narrative, uh, dialogue in full instead of quotations and statements, points of view, recording everyday details, such as behavior, possessions, friends, and family. I think all that stuff is fine, mm-hmm. but I think that defining an artistic style like that, calling it new journalism is sort of something that somebody does after the fact to explain something that happened. Uh, probably. Yeah. You know, it's like that was some, uh, 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 journalism guy who wrote a paper about how stuff had changed and he started defining something that was happening naturally already. You know, I, I I gotta tell you, uh, I do like these Danny Lyons photos that he also sent. Uh, yeah. I like them quite a bit. Uh, Uh, you know, I'll put those, I'll put those and the Ralph Gibbons Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. in these show notes. And I get that, okay, Fred is saying that they are other photographers at the same time 
uh, as as Clark, but to me, there's a there's a tonal difference. There's a and I don't mean tonal in terms of processing. I mean there's a there's an emotional tone that I think is different to me that I respond to more favorably. Okay. I think that that is a fair thing to say. Yeah. I think, I think that what he sent in is good and interesting. Yeah, it's good. I like Fred. Fred's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Fred. Yeah. Uh, what else is on there? Uh, on his email? Uh, no, in, in the next. Oh, email. just in general. Uh, Alan sent, actually Fred sent it in too. The, the, uh, this, this couple in Bangladesh, oof, after the building collapse. Oh right, the couple. That's a under that's the a rubble. rough. Yeah, that's a rough shot. But and it's they're they're embraced. They're hold, loving each other. You know, I showed that to Heather, and she said, "You know, at least they didn't die alone." That is true. And but I just I could just think, could you imagine being crushed under a building with Nikki and just like grabbing her and holding her as it fell onto you? Uh, no, I don't. I can't. And that talk. is just tragic. Yeah. Nope. 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 And you know, Alan made a good point. He's just like, God, I hope no one asks what camera that was taken on. And that is exactly the point that we're always trying to make. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter what camera you took it on. Look at that photograph. That is like mind-numbingly great. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, I mean, great in a, you know, I'm not taking away from the subject matter, which is awful. You understand what I'm saying? Sure. No, it's, it is a powerful photograph. Uh, hey, uh, Marion sent in a thing talking about how Magic Lantern has put out a uh, some code for the, uh, new five D three stuff, which does 24 P raw on a five D Mark three video. Okay. So for people who just heard, uh, magic lantern aftermarket firmware for Canon cameras. Yes. Enables features that Canon either didn't implement or didn't implement well, uh, stuff that they did not implement. Okay. Uh, basically they're letting you take 24 raw pictures a second at 1080p so that you could use your Canon 5d Mark three theoretically in a way much closer to, um, a black magic cinema camera, that whole DNG stuff, cinema sort DNG. Of. Well, sort of exactly. So, the processor on the 5D3 is not powerful enough to actually write 24 DNGs a second to the card. So their hack basically <laughs> pulls the image data off the sensor and just sort of stores it in some sort of, I would use the word raw if raw wasn't the other <laughs> word, like basically just a bit stream off of the, off the sensor, which then you have to bring into software and your computer after the fact to turn it into something that you can actually play with in, say, DaVinci Resolve. Now, I, I wonder, is it... It's a serious hack. Okay. Is it that the, 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 the processor in the camera is not up to the task of the real-time conversion to DNG? I think that's that, part of... Is it's that just, the bottleneck? This, was, this camera was not designed to do what they're making it do. It's sort of like mm-hmm. they're, they're essentially overclocking this thing in order to get it to pull off what they wanted to pull off, right? Right. Um. You know, they, 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 and the, the directions on how to do this are 24 steps long, (laughs) you know, and that's, and that's just, you know, to get raw stuff for people like you. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, and there's serious <laughs> steps, right? And then there's another 14 steps. Is there steps. a soldering iron involved? Yeah, and then there's 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 another 14 steps in order to convert it to ProRes 444, wow. uh, which took three hours later for thir- – took three hours to convert 13 minutes of footage Wow. on a high-end iMac. So this is not something that you're going to be doing all the time. Right. You know, and the reason why, even with the DaVinci Resolve stuff, that it's very difficult to work with this stuff. I mean, I mean, we had talked about it before that that machine I built for Claude, we put a GTX 680 in it in order for him to be able to do some of this stuff in real time in Resolve. Right. This is not the kind of stuff you do on your laptop. This is hard. This is the stuff that we still need big, giant computers for. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Or Just a camera that, that was designed for it that will fit in your pocket. Yeah, that'll do too. <laughs> um, you could go with the room-filling computer or well, the what? camera that will fit in your pocket. There's two things to that. One, you may already have a Mark III. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, the, the, the pocket camera and, and, and the, the, all of those uh, Blackmagic cameras are also using a completely different lens set there are smaller sensors, so there's you know there's less sh- short depth of field stuff. You have less control over that kind of thing. There are the you know the pixel sites are smaller. There are limitations to it that would that there are advantages to using the bigger camera, but you know there it's still it's still a serious hack. No one's going to be making a full length Hollywood movie using five Ds that are hacked this way, but it is a very cool tool. Sure. You know? I mean, a couple of people you, you, have done. You should try it just uh, just to see how it works. Yeah, you know, it's like I'm still working on that idea for that little short film I got to do in a few weeks. I'm gonna, I gotta, I gotta finish the script and then get some actors and actually put it together and make it. It's gonna be like three minutes long, four minutes long. Uh, a friend of mine just finished a movie uh, that I have to go see the uh, go see a premiere of, and it, it looks really good. And they they spent hours and hours and months and months on it. And it's supposed to be really well done, but it's just like I look at it and I go, oh, man, if they had somebody who was really good at color grading and better at lighting and better at shooting, like it's sort of like they had everything except for the super photo dork person, you know, mm-hmm. who was who to do that kind of stuff. And it, it maybe it's like they were tr- it looks like they were trying to make it look like a um, uh, what's his name? Who's the you know, the uh, the, the the Rushmore guy. The, oh, uh, uh, Anderson. They were, yeah, they were trying to make it look like Wes Anderson, but Wes Anderson is really well done. Mm-hmm. So it looks like, you know, Wes Anderson done by a college students, you know, as opposed to Wes Anderson. Um, and that's not saying that that's, that's not a perfectly viable option. It's just I look at it and I go, oh, that could have been so amazing, you know, right. if they just did this, this, and this, you know. So I wanted to, I'm going to try my hand at it just to see what it's like. Um, so photographer of the week, Gary Winogrand, Gary Winogrand, how have no we setup, not- no, 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 no setup, just Gary Winogrand. How have we not done Gary Winogrand? I'm not sure. I- I'm going to attribute it to something that you've done. Wait, something I've done. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know. You would, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. I would. That's exactly, that's how you roll. <laughs> So send your put, letters of why we haven't done Gary Winogrand to Bill at <laughs> just putting that crap on me. Is that how you roll? <laughs> you like uh, hey? So Gary Winogrand is love Gary Winogrand stuff. Yeah. So Winogrand is a, a street photographer from the fifties, sixties. I think he died in mid seventies. Is that true? I am not sure. 
have to look that up. Gary. Ah. This stuff is beautiful, though. Uh, it's it, it's a couple things. Oh, 1984 uh, it was that he died. He was a good, good look, weird looking dude, too. Uh, yeah. Uh, but his, his stuff really captures the time. It's, it's appropriate to the time it was taken. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yep. He shot so much. He left behind nearly 300,000 unedited images. Now people have to remember that this is 300,000 images before digital. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot of film. Yeah. That's a lot of film. Um, and his work, you know, I mean, he was one of these guys like wide angle on a Leica walking down the street. Um, Camera with him all the time. See, there, it worked for Gary Winogrand. Might not have worked for me. Uh, I, I oh, we have to put uh, we have to put that uh, Gary's M4. Oh, yeah, you sent me a picture of that. This yeah, thing is I'll, just I'll, it's just beat to hell. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it. We'll put it in the uh, I'll put it in the show notes too. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Uh, we, we've also included a, a, a few really great uh, articles, uh, uh, some retrospective and some editorial about Winogrand, his process, his photos uh, on Slate and the New York Times Lens blog, which is a fantastic photo blog if you haven't seen it. Almost all black and white, this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that he ever shot color that I know of. That's a good question. I got to look that up. Uh, I love this Central Park Zoo shot on, the, on Slate. With the monkey? Yeah. <laughs> you know, as people always point that out and they think, you know, oh, see, it's a mixed race couple and they have a monkey baby and it's shocking because of that. You know, they're uh, at a zoo. Yeah, I know. But like that. But but sort of the the sort of uh, at the time, the reason why that was sort of shocking was that oh, see, I don't mul- get that at all. It had multiple meanings. Right. No, that's exactly what they, I, that- I want to know where they got the jacket for the monkey. See, that's. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. Where do monkeys shop? Man, there was that one. There's that one picture. Actually, my favorite picture of his is the one. Uh, see, there's lots of racial stuff in the Gary Winogrand photos here, like this one I just sent you, where it's like this. You know, this white girl talking to this black kid over on one side of the thing, and then these this gaggle of girls in the middle, sort of whispering to each other, mm-hmm. and sort of the and and the, the and then but then the the cute girls on the right, like looking at the old guy reading the newspaper. But there's there's a certain sort of uh, assumption of like, Oh, what is she doing? Talking to that black kid. You know right. what I mean? Like that's, I think that that's sort of the, the comment that's sort of being made here. Um, he definitely caught a lot of stuff. I mean, this gets back to what it was like to shoot stuff on the street back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, look it, 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 at, at the time that these were taken, uh, it, it's, I mean, it wasn't a rarity, but seeing someone with a camera out on the streets certainly wasn't as common as it is now. Right, exactly. Well, look, there was, 10 billion know, to 400 billion, right? Yeah, there was uh, still this sort of uh, almost novelty to it. Yeah? I, I do love, man, some of his quotes on the Wikipedia entry are amazing. I don't Maybe. have anything to say in a picture. Only my, my only interest in photography is to see what something looks like as a photograph. I have no preconceptions. Hmm. Uh, photography is not about the thing photographed. It's about how that thing looks photographed. Yep. That's pretty cool. Uh, I, you know, the whole idea that like, it's, it's not about the thing. It's about how the camera perceives the thing. Yeah. And how the viewer interprets that capture. It's not about truth. It's about interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, See, you know, you know, who, you know who that gets us back to? Who? Crudson. <laughs> 
You know, Gary Winogrand and, <laughs> and Crutzen could not be further away from each other. Right? One is completely waiting for things to come out in front of him. And the other guy doesn't even touch his own camera. But their intent is the same. Okay. What, what, okay. What, what was his intent? Their intent is, is to present something to be interpreted by the viewer. That their own, their own, I mean, look, Crudson has said insofar as he, he doesn't even know what his photographs mean. And it's not important. <laughs> they're, they're so crazy. I don't even know what they mean. <laughs> oh, I he's, don't he's, even know what they mean. <laughs> I can just see him with his crazy hair. And he's just like, I, I, I don't even know what they mean. Uh, you know, it's up to the viewer. It's what do they mean to you? And, and everybody that looks at it, you know, they're yep. going to interpret it differently. This, this, this Winogrand photo of the, of the sailor uh, with the duffel bag walking along the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, is, is he coming home? Did he quit? Is he going to? We don't know. But that's not important. It's a crazy world we live in. Really? That's, that's where you end up I, you know, I, I was It's never, a that, mad, mad, you know, mad, That mad sailor world. one is interesting because it's in 1950, right? Mm-hmm. Now, see, this is going to make me want to open up my Winogram book that I've been trying not to open up. Oh, you bought that book. That's right. I did buy it, but I was but trying it's to- still sealed. I was Ooh. trying to save it. So now it's going to make me want to go open it up. We got to put that in the show notes because I, I, I bought one. I may buy another one because this is the kind of book that is going to be worth something someday because- it's like an SF MoMA book, and I know they didn't make that many of them. Mm-hmm. And eventually, it's going to be worth something. So we're going to put it in the show notes, a link to it. So if you guys want to go buy it, uh, go to Amazon and get it, and you'll help support the show too. But the, but uh, uh, but it's it's oh yeah, it's supposed to be really beautiful. The only thing that people say about the book is that a lot of the spreads are two pages landscape, so it cuts the picture in half mm-hmm. over the course of the two things. You know. Apparently, uh, while he, he won a, uh, Guggenheim, a third Guggenheim fellowship and he moved to LA to document California. And while in LA, he developed 8,522 rolls of film. Rolls of film, not 8,522 pictures. Do you know how many pictures that is? Un- that is shooting so much. Wow. It's unbelievable. I mean, I know it's your average wedding photographer's evening, but that is a lot. That is a lot of pictures. And this is, yeah, that's thirty thousand, thirty over thirty thousand photographs. That's a lot of photographs. That is nuts. Wait, no, it's got to be more than that. That doesn't make any sense. How did I do that wrong? Eight five two two times thirty six. How can that be? Oh, no, I'm sorry. My bad. Not 30,000, 300,000. Yeah, 306,000 yep. at 36. 300,000 pictures over the over... course of a couple of years in California. Wow. it's a lot. That is just nuts. Uh, he died when he was pretty young, 56, gallbladder cancer, 1984. Uh, he, you know, he died in Mexico, in Tijuana. I wonder if he was just like drinking himself. Like, eh, screw it. I'm just going to drink. Or if it was... Maybe he you went know, down for penicillin. Or went down for some sort of like, you know, like the fake therapy stuff, you know. Maybe. Uh, anyway, Gary Winogrand, street photographer extraordinaire. Yeah, Black fantastic. and white classic. You know, it's, it's, it's the step. At, he is one step further, you know, 
than Robert Frank. It's like Robert Frank and then Winogrand. Uh, and I think that uh, amazing, amazing stuff. So go check it out. And uh, yeah, Wintergrand's great. Hey, uh, if people want to get a hold of us, who do, where do they go? Uh, they can go to the Google Plus group. They can go to, you can go podcast at ontakingpictures.com if you want to email us. Uh, Bill Twi- Twitter, <laughs> Bill Twitters. <laughs> I Bill Twitters. <laughs> Bill, Bill Twitters. <laughs> uh, the Jeffrey laugh. Bill tweets at BillWadman.com. No, not .com. Just Bill Wadman. Where am I today? You're in good shape right now. And uh, uh, where are you? I tweet uh, Jeffrey Sadoris, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S. Uh, you can get the show notes if you'd like to see the links and, uh, and, and such. You can get those 5x5.tv slash OTP slash Five five. That'll get you to this episode. Back up one just to OTP if you want to get previous episodes. Which, if you haven't listened, please go back and listen. Yeah, uh, there's some good stuff in there. Yeah, artistic monkhood. One hour in. <laughs> that was that was a good one. Yeah, it was. Uh, what else? What else you got? Uh, I I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, thank you to uh, to five by five for okay. their hosting us by the way uh one last thing uh people yeah. said that they i got a number of people like a good like 10 people who wrote in took the time to write in to say how much they liked the full theme song at the end see so i think i'm going to keep the full theme song at the end going forward. are you yeah, why not right are you going to sing it are you going to sing us out no not, <sighs> not my back hurts so much i can't even my back hurts so much. okay that's it we're done Thank you for listening, Don Taking Pictures. This is the last episode. (laughs) Bill will be back next week in a brand new show. Yeah, with another (laughs) co-host. That's good stuff. Uh, Yeah, okay. All right, have a good week, everyone. See you later. Bye. Say what you wanna say I know what you will say Will